it turns out in life, you don't just all of a sudden turn a corner and then have a piece of paper that has a math <laughs> fact on it, and you got to do it. Long like division, you, let's go! Yeah, that's, that's never how it is. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of reflection and collaboration as we seek to keep growing as teachers. This podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 88th episode of Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Friends, we're always looking for topics of conversation and feedback, so please email us or send us a recording of your question to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. We're looking for relevant and timely ideas, so please let us know if you have a, to- a show topic ruminating around in your head. Dave and Abby, maybe because of my love of hockey statistics, I am a numbers guy. I love numbers. I think about numbers. I'm actually very good at making calculations in my head. I can remember random numbers about random things. In fact, I was one of the fastest people in my elementary class, John Ox Christian School, grad 85, at <laughs> Mad Mitts and other games where someone had to be the fastest. Although I admit I could never beat Nick Nord or Bruce Griffune. Those guys were not only good guys, they were good at everything, including <laughs> addition and subtraction. But when I got into high school, I realized something else. I was good at numbers, but I wasn't that great at math. Mm. And so I spiraled quickly. I went, feel, I went from feeling good about math at the beginning of grade 8 in high school to being permanently kicked out of math class around January of my grade 10 year. My confidence and my mm-hmm. love for math diminished quickly. Yeah. I took one more math class in high school, and honestly, through God's grace, met a teacher named Mr. Bones, who provided high accountability, and I mean high accountability (laughs) and high support and I do mean high high support I don't know that I've ever loved math again but I love Mr. Bowens and he loved and believed in me and my math story had as happy an ending as possible and quite honestly to this day I still love numbers but not math I share that because today I want to talk about math and teaching math. As a principal, I've had numerous conversations with teachers, students, and parents about math. Everything from the math is too hard, the math is too easy, why doesn't my child have math homework, why do they get so much math homework, Mm -hmm. and more often than not, and especially lately, concerns about children having math anxiety, Mm -hmm. something I've seen one of my own children struggle with. So today we invited Dr. Val Zonneveld to join us. First of all, Val is a friend, and she is also a professor of mathematics at Dort University, with, ex- with her expertise being in math education. And yes, she is an expert, and I don't mm-hmm. say that lightly. My own daughter has been in her class and been blessed by her. Val is passionate about high-quality mathematics in- instruction and loves exploring this with pre-service teachers. Prior to teaching at Dort, she spent 12 years in middle and high schools teaching various subjects and coaching. She also serves as the principal investigator for a 1.2 million National Science Foundation NOICE grant to support free service STEM teachers. Yes, you heard that right, a 1.2 million grant to support pre-service STEM teachers. 
Val, thanks for joining us mm-hmm. today. Thanks. This is uh, this is bucket list stuff. Bucket list stuff. I love it. Yeah, I love for, it. For us too. Yeah, for us that's too. right. That's right. So, so friends, my, my opening question is for each of you. And, and because of time, I'm going to ask you to keep it somewhat short. But I would like to hear from all of you. And, and I realize that many people have a math story. So even before we started recording, Val noticed I had a, a physical reaction talking about math <laughs> class. And it's mm-hmm. true. I know that about myself. So I have my own story and I've shared a bit a bit about it. I'm wondering, Dave, if maybe I can I can start with sure. you. How did you share a bit of your math story? How did you experience math? Yeah. And, and how does that impact you, if it does at all, even today? So, uh, yeah, the school that I attended growing up, we had a tracked math program starting in second grade. Mm, so second grade? Starting in second grade. So we, and we never... That is early. I, I think so, too, <laughs> looking back. But, um, yeah, this was kind of the interesting part of it. So we were kind of sorted into three sections, and there was, relatively speaking, the high-achieving, the normal-achieving, and the lower-achieving group. So a sorting hat yeah. based on test scores. It, it really was. Could starting in grade two. From lower to higher? Theoretically, but practically speaking, no. No no one really did. And that's the interesting part of my story, right? So I was placed in the high-achieving group, but I'm pretty sure I was the lowest achiever in the high-achieving group. And if I had been in the middle group, Mm -hmm. I would have thought myself good at math. But because I was Uh, in that high-achieving group, I thought... For my whole elementary and middle school career, I thought I was not good at math. And the greatest irony, and this is proof God has a sense of humor, I ended up as a math teacher, right? Yeah. Um, and But I think that's part of my story, too, because my experience, feeling like I'm not good at this and I don't understand this, meant I was very empathetic as a math teacher for mm-hmm. the kids who struggled. And so I, I do. I, it's a joke, but it's no joke. That's God's grace in my life that I ended up as a math teacher because I had a lot of empathy for kids who say, I'm not a math person. Well, I mean, if you do math and you're human, you're a math person. So mm-hmm. everyone's a math person, right? Yeah. Um, but that's part of my story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank, thanks, Dave. Yeah. I, I am not a math person, but thanks for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's actually, I actually have a question about, about that later. Sure. So, yeah, that's interesting. Abby, how about you? Yeah. I said, I don't know that I've ever thought about this. So it's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I, I didn't particularly love math growing up, but I was decent at it, right? So I could, I could do the work. Um, when I was in sixth grade at our small Christian grade school, I got selected for the math beat, and we had, like, coaching. Like, a, an, an adult from outside of the school came oh, in, yeah. like, with our team, so we felt very, like sophisticated about Mm -hmm. that we actually did very well our team like went to the state math b there was a hotel involved if Mm -hmm. i remember correctly so so that (laughs) i think bolstered it i i did fine in it all through high school i did good on standardized test scores i it never really captured my first love or interest Mm -hmm. right so i was an english person english teacher That was kind of where I lived. I could always do the math, but I didn't Mm -hmm. always love the math. I I have a child who suffers from math anxiety. She's also Mm -hmm. decent at it, but has so much emotion Mm -hmm. tied up in it. And that has been, I'd say, more of my journey in the last two years is trying to help her work through some of that. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like it kind of started with COVID, honestly, and probably she was a third grader, and just some of that has continued to follow her. So that's yeah. been interesting for me as a parent. Yeah. yeah. Val, welcome to the show. So maybe I don't know, maybe just share a little bit about about your own. I mean, you're a math professor now, so somewhere along the line, things went well. Can yeah. you share a bit? Um, yeah, I I, I love math. 
I was also did the math bees yeah. and I was I was called a mathlete. We went to oh, state yes, nice. and math counts nice. and yeah. um, just always loved it. But I wouldn't really say always, and I always share this with my pre-service teachers as well. Um, in kindergarten, I didn't know how to count, and mm-hmm. so they really wanted to hold me back. But I was too tall. So um, <laughs> that I always share that with my <gasps> oh, students wow. because they're like, well, you know, this. there's this whole idea that math ability is innate. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier math person or not, right. and that's just so dangerous. But it's insidious, it really. It is, mm-hmm. because right. there's no such thing. Right. Yeah. It may come a little faster to some students, mm-hmm. but everybody can get it. So anyway, yeah, I've just always loved math and enjoyed the challenge and mm-hmm. a little too stubborn to give mm-hmm. up on a hard problem. Yeah, and I think that's why I love it, too. I love the figuring out, right, like the yeah. problem-solving yeah. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Val, how about your like even in just just pursuing it into college and your doctorate, like yeah, like what just sort of allowed you to flourish and grew your love for it, if I can ask? Uh, I think I'm stubborn. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. I mean, tenacious. Yeah, right. tenacious. I, I, because one of the um, one of the practice standards that the NCTM has, or Common Core, I should say, is is being a persevering, persevering mm-hmm. and problem solving, and I think that really is what sets apart those that are better at math, just that they don't give up so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's also a, a story of God's grace, because my freshman year of college, I shouldn't have been in calculus. Mm-hmm. I ended up having Arnie Veltkamp as my advisor, just, you know, random, you know, they kind of mm-hmm. randomly give you an advisor, and he looked at me, and he's like, yeah, you should take calculus, and I never questioned him. Yeah. Like, I should have pushed back and said, no, I'm going to be a Spanish teacher. Yeah. And he put me in calculus, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, I need to keep doing this. Yeah. So, wow. so that, was, that made a huge impact yeah. on you. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Well, as, as a high school assistant principal back in the day when we had parent-teacher conferences, it was a bit casual and all the teachers sat in the gym and the parents would line up for a chat. They could just line up wherever they wanted to talk to whoever. To this day, and as we got ready for this, I was struck by how long the line was always for the math teacher. Like, it yep. was crazy. Yep. Like, people would just literally wait an hour. Yep. It was sort of like if you talk to one teacher before you leave the gym, make sure you talk to the math teacher. And I'm just so curious, like in your mind, why does that play such a prominent place for parents, for kids? It feels like almost like this gatekeeper course, and and maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's literature that that, uh, mathematics is gatekeeper. There's actually quite a bit of literature on algebra being the gatekeeper Hmm. to higher education. Interesting. So that's not just a feeling. There's literature on that. Um, The idea that parents want to check in. I think because the parents have anxiety. Uh And there's a lot of research on how parental anxiety passes down to Mm. their students. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to you talk about how long the line was for the, the math teacher yeah. and I in my mind I was like well it could be half as long I could fix it yeah. and the way I would fix it is when the parents sit down that they don't tell about their ability yeah. because yeah. so many conferences yeah. started with the first oh, few yeah. minutes where they would just start talking about how yeah. math was to them either yeah. good yeah. or really bad yeah. and I wanted to just say I want to talk about your student not right. you right. It, not in a callous way but yeah. they yeah. are their identity Mm. of being a math person or not, they very much felt portrayed on their child. Do you think that's different than other subjects? I think that mathematics is, has a, 
a very fixed mindset. If okay. you're thinking about yeah. growth mindset, yeah. fifth, yeah. fixed mindset with Carol Dweck, mathematics has one of the higher uh, fixed mindset rates in it. And so since we have this whole idea that they're a genius and, and yeah. mathematics ability is just innate, mm-hmm. then people just have a lot more of that yeah. uh, that struggle there. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's so interesting, right? Because I was thinking about that. Like, I don't help my kids with their math homework. And I, and I never had, even when they could, even when I knew I could do it. And I was thinking about that, like, and I know it comes out of my own security. Like, I make jokes still to this day. I even did in my undergrad class about not being a math person or my brain isn't wired for math. And, mm-hmm. and as you're speaking, Val, it makes me think is how we talk about math is, is important. It's big. It's especially, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's real big. Um, so how should we talk? Like, how, like, what is the one? Because, because I feel that insecurity. Yeah, yeah. And yet, I, yeah, and so I'm just saying, like, so what is, how should we talk about math with our students? Yeah, I, I don't think that parents should say that. And I don't yeah. want to say that because no. you said it, but, <laughs> no, but I think that it's contagious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, math anxiety is contagious. There's mm-hmm. research I believe that. where it, yeah. it passes down. There's also research where teachers' math anxiety mm. passes down. That's mm. interesting. Specifically, female teachers' anxiety passes to female Students. students. Wow. It, it's been proven wow. in um, numerous wow. studies. And so that's mm-hmm. why it's so important, especially for my pre-service teachers, to gain their self-efficacy oh, yeah. and to feel confident, even though they might not claim it's my thing and I love it, right. but still how can they um, feel confident mm-hmm. in it? Yeah. Well, this is one of the things I've thought a lot about. So I, I've taught our elementary science methods yes. course a, a lot of times. And there's similar literature around science education that, um, yeah, teachers' self-efficacy for their ability to teach that content area impacts directly. So how do, you, how do we go about turning the tide for that? Are there things that you do? I know you teach a lot of our math courses yep. for elementary ad majors, and you teach a lot of the methods courses for yep. math education. So what kinds of things can we do in teacher preparation even, or for practicing teachers, to try to turn the tide on that, on that story? Are there specific things? Yeah, I think it's so important that your classroom is safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because we just need to normalize making mistakes. The way that you mm-hmm. learn mathematics is making mistakes. Um, eventually the mistakes go away. That's the right. goal. But right. like you haven't done this before. You're going to make mistakes as you start to learn right. how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we make that safe. Yeah. And the way that we can make our, our classroom safe is we don't want to tease people or make fun of them or have it be overly competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a place where c- competition can be good. Um, some of the things I think about in my class is make sure that the students know each other. And um, I never want to put just one student at the board showing the answer, mm-hmm. but it's always a group because oh, then yeah. they, th- mm-hmm. it's safer. Yeah. Um, also, like when they're working in class on a problem, kids will work. They'll be so much riskier on a whiteboard than hmm. they will be on paper. Interesting. That's fascinating. That's been researched mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So whiteboards are super helpful for taking that risk as well. So if you've got multiple students and everybody's doing it at the same time, they'll, they'll chance making that mistake because the mistake yeah. is where they're going to learn. But is it something about the, the ease of changing their mind when you're on a whiteboard where there's it feels no, a little more permanent somehow? Yeah, on paper? there's no yeah. record. That's interesting. No record. That makes and sense sometimes, to me. you know, I got to get them. Sometimes students will come when I get near them, they'll quickly erase it. I'm like, no, let's learn from this. Yeah. And so embracing mistakes as a place where we can mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. Yeah. But, so, but if I think about that, and so this is probably really old school, like I'm all about 
hey, making mistakes, like normalizing, making yeah. mistakes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And yet in my mind, all I'm seeing is my own math test where the answer is either right or wrong. Yeah. Mm. And so then it's like, well, how can I make, how can I make mistakes when in the end I'm being assessed on whether I make mistakes or not. So how do you, so I'm trying to figure out, you know what? Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to, so I'm trying to reconcile that a bit because I'm all about that. And yet. Yeah. Two plus two, it's either, <laughs> it's either right or wrong. Or, 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 does, yeah. or maybe the question I have, Val, is then how, what does good assessment look like in math? Maybe right. that's the question I'm wondering about. Yeah. So let's think about, um, you want your kid to learn how to walk. Mm-hmm. You don't just stand them up and expect them to walk away. You know, the first time they fall, you don't go, man, you really stink at walking, and then give up on them and fail them for life. So similarly in mathematics, you've just exposed them to something new. Mm-hmm. We have to expect they're going to fall a lot. Mm-hmm. So that means that when we are grading, that, that f- those first attempts, they probably shouldn't count for much, yeah. or maybe mm-hmm. just completion or something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Eventually, at some point, there has to be some summative assessment, but early on, it should be very much formative and not count for much because they're going to fall. Sure. If they're not falling, you're teaching something that's too easy. People always say practice makes perfect, but really maybe practice makes permanent is is a better way of thinking about it, right? And so, yeah, you're going to practice things and you're going to get feedback on things. And um, yeah, we get better over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mistakes are like, they're awesome. Yeah. And if you can get to a place where the kids let you look at their mistakes and point, hey, what's mm. going on with this student? Mm-hmm. So powerful. But that classroom has to be so safe for yeah, that to happen. Right. So I have students and I have kids, obviously, who are in math class. And I have noticed so much more process orientation yes. in their math homework than mm-hmm. I remember yep. from mm-hmm. my schooling days. Is that a common core emphasis? Is that just we know more about math? Um you know, my first grader is doing things that I you didn't do. did not do conceptually, yeah. Yeah. right? And yep. I love it um, mm-hmm. because I feel like that builds so much more capacity yeah. for later on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I also have heard parents complain about it oh, yeah. Yeah. a lot. I love it, yeah. Yeah. but I can look at it like an educator, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just a quick note on the parents. They complain because they don't know how to help, right. I think. Yeah. Like they feel insecure. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. But math has definitely moved more towards a conceptual understanding because mm-hmm. if it's just procedural, it's all memorization. Right. None of it makes sense. I just need to memorize what to do now, what to do now, what mm-hmm. to do now. And so math is definitely pushing towards conceptual. We see that in the Common Core as well. Yeah. And that's what the research is saying is sticky. It, mm. it sticks with kids. Mm-hmm. They know how to approach a problem that's maybe a little bit different or a situation that's, you know, not phrased the same. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely yep. where it's going. Does that yeah. come back to what you were saying before about persevering in problem solving or being more patient with their problem solving, right? Yeah. If they have stronger math reasoning yeah. skills, yeah. and it's not just here's how I attack a problem when yeah. I see this kind of problem, I'll do this. Yeah. Like, Learning algorithm. Yeah. 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 No, they can they can be flexible mm-hmm. and apply it to different situations because it turns out in life you don't just all of a sudden turn a corner and then have a piece of paper that has a math <laughs> fact on it and you gotta do it. Long like division, you, let's go. Yeah, that's, that's never how it is. You need to yeah. pull things together, decide what's important, yeah. what am I gonna do with mm-hmm. these numbers, and that's ultimately what we want. Well, we've mentioned math anxiety a few times here and we sort of touched on it and related to language and how we but what are, some, what are some other practical things for teachers or even parents who have kids who have re- that math anxiety is real, 
it, I don't know how to help my child. It's like it, making mistakes is okay, but you don't understand. Yeah. Like, like what practical advice could mm-hmm. you give to, to educators or parents to say, here's some things that help with anxiety, and, and if you to put you on the spot, things that actually probably don't help with math mm. anxiety. Yeah, so it is real. Mm-hmm. Like we have to, we have to know that it's real. In fact, um, there have been brain scans of students that are having math anxiety, and the same part of the brain lights up as the part that when you have physical pain. Oh, interesting! Wow. So wow. It, I mean, it is a real thing. Huh. Um, I have students with it. I have child with it. So I, I'm aware of it. Um, one of the things I help my students understand is the fact that um, when you're doing math, you're using your working memory a ton. And your working memory is the part that just holds little pieces of chunks just for for a few minutes. If you think about, okay, I'm going to regroup this up here, you have to keep all these things in your Mm. brain. Uh, When you're experiencing anxiety, your working memory turns off. When you're, like, it it just floods it. I don't know what the chemical things are, but it floods it. And so I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, like, I can't think of anything. What mm-hmm. what is two plus three? And like, mm-hmm. there's just nothing up there. Mm-hmm. There literally there isn't anything up there because their yeah. working memory turned off. Sure. Yeah. And so it's really important that they feel safe and that they feel comfortable, um, and just to be aware of it. Uh, there are lots of things you can do. Like on on an ass- assessment that's going to be more summative, start with a question they know. No, so they don't yeah. freak out right away. Don't take yeah. your hardest question and put it first because mm-hmm. you might be putting them in yeah. into that. Um, that mind frame of anxiety mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. with something everybody should get right mm-hmm. so that they build up their confidence and then can get into it um often during tests i'll stay you know 20 minutes in all right put your tests over and then we stand up and rubber brains or do yeah. some kind of a strange mm-hmm. stretch or whatever yeah. just to bring that anxiety yeah. down again get their mm-hmm. physical body moving mm-hmm. um yeah no that's 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 really helpful um I'm just thinking about you with your pre-service teachers, or I'm thinking to some of our listeners who are who are maybe new to teaching math, or some of our veteran teachers who it's not their sweet spot for a lot. Like, if you're talking to your pre-service teacher, are there a few things that you're like, hey, here's some hallmarks of good math pedagogy, or here's something, hey, like, try to implement this into your lesson, or, again, just, like, maybe, like, pedagogical moves that might be helpful just as as a teacher. Yeah, so um, there are resources out there if you go to the Common Core. Um, There are the eight mathematical teaching practices, and those are things that you should just think about, like, are my students getting a constant diet of this type of teaching? Um, And the practice standards are what we want our students to be able to do on the back end. Um, But what I really want to say is, if you think about your math teaching, are your students thinking? so whatever that pedagogy is, it, it doesn't do much to watch somebody else do math. It's pretty easy to watch right. somebody else do math, yeah. but like who's doing the thinking there? Mm-hmm. If we want them to be able to do math, then they need yeah. to be doing it, and that's what needs to be happening in the classroom. Now, how you support that, how you scaffold it, that yeah. can change from topic to topic sure. and day to day, but like just watching you and then yeah. copying that exact same way, yeah. that's not thinking, that's mimicking. Hmm. Yeah. What, what would you say in your own pedagogy or, like, I'm, if I taught math, I just think I would probably do it the way I did 20 years ago. So are there anything that you'd say, hey, we might want to avoid this in math pedagogy? And, and we don't mean it as a criticism for our listeners who, like, we, nobody gets it right all the time. But just to say, hey, we might want to 
stay away from doing this or yeah just practices that might might we might want to avoid yeah so i i talked to a lot of students over over the years and so many of them have a story like you matt where they have this moment yeah. mm. um and it's been referred to as a math trauma Hmm. where something happened and then they often don't recover because math builds so much. And so... Can't uh, climb out of the hole. They can't climb. That is is exactly... I just remember that moment of like, they're moving on without me and Mm. I'll never catch up. And And then I gave up. You gave up on it, yeah. 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 And that has happened to so many students. And so at the upper levels, that means you need to help them take that baggage off and Mm -hmm. that identity of I can't do math. Um, But one of the practices that comes up again and again in that that time when they kind of quit is time tests. Oh, and yeah. I know people love time tests and fluency is super important, but it can be pretty harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, Any sort, even if they're competing against themselves. That's my question, I yeah, guess. So, yeah, so practices that like students have recounted to me is when they have a rocket and the rocket launches yeah. as they get more right yeah. or an ice cream Whoa. that gets dips on it and it's on the wall or mm-hmm. my class yeah. couldn't get pizza because mm-hmm. I couldn't fill in my piece of the pizza yeah. mm-hmm. and so those public things are yeah. pretty hard yeah. for students yeah. um, against yourself that's that, that's healthy mm-hmm. am I getting better each am day am I getting am I getting more yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. publicly can be pretty you, you raised a really interesting idea there, though. We, we want math fluency, right? Yes. Like we, we yep. want that. So are there particular strategies, if we're going to like avoid the Mad Minute or yeah. time test or things mm-hmm. like that, what, what kinds of things can teachers do that build math fluency for, for kids? Yeah, that's great. So um, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, is re- they love fluency. Yeah. But they would say don't do time tests. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're pushing for is not to memorize but to understand deeply. So if you're struggling with the fact um, 8 times 7, rather than memorizing it, what's another way you can get to 8 times 7? And so you can say, well, if I take 7 and double it, that's 7 times 2. And then if I double that, that's 7 times 4. And then if I double that, that's 7 times 8. And so build all these strategies to get there, and it will come through the strategies. Sure. Mm -hmm. And and pretty quick, it's just in your brain. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know how to get there if it were to leave your brain yeah, for that moment. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. Val, Dave has this saying that I've really latched on to about no more crappy homework. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I really embrace that. <laughs> so my, my question is, okay, so I did teach math for one year, you actually. Did? I did. Is this and, like a good? Wow. No, I did. <laughs> I did teach it for one year in, in, in middle school. And... And to not overanalyze it, there was probably actually some healing in it for me, and I really and I really mean that. But one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm smiling as I tell this, is I had no concept of good homework. So it often looked like 30 <laughs> seconds before the bell rang, page 221, do all the odds. Yep. Or do all the mm-hmm. Depends like, on what's in the back of the book. Right. I was going to say, did you pick the ones totally. with the answers or without totally. the answers? Yeah. So I confess that. So mm-hmm. while it was a healing exercise, I gave really bad homework. But my question is, what does good math homework look like? Or what is the purpose of it? Or And what is... Crappy math yeah. homework look like. If, okay, well, I gave an example of what it looks yeah. like. Well, yeah, what? Yeah. And should it be the same for everyone? Should everyone do twenty questions? Uh, so good. Yeah. So should everyone do twenty questions? If you know your your high flying student understood it in two questions, yeah. and there are some high achievers in math that hate math because it's so boring. 
Mm-hmm. Why do you have to do another how many questions when I knew how when to do I it on play. question one and yeah. two? And for the kids that it's a real struggle, doing 20 questions might take their yeah. night away. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, I like the idea of compacting the curriculum where students have different amounts of homework they do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they get to explore something cool in that extra time. Uh, yeah. That takes more to set up. I only did that mm-hmm. one year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely takes more. Um, the, the purpose of homework is so that you know, they, they get a chance to practice and get good at it. That's what fluency means, that you can you can sure. do it without having to put all your thinking into it. No. Um, but math homework, I think, is cheated on more than any other homework. Is that I'm just maybe dreaming I that. think you're probably right. It's so mm-hmm. easy to mm-hmm. copy. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, you can't copy somebody's reading. No, yeah, no, right? You can't. Yeah, you, there's. I think it's copied a lot. Plus, there's answers in the back of the book, mm-hmm. or you can um, go online and find the like everything I teach. It's yeah. online. Wolfram Alpha. Oh I, yeah, game changer. Oh, yeah. If you're not familiar teachers with Wolfram Alpha, just go to wolframalpha.com and you yeah. prepare for your mind to be blown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. type in your assignment. <laughs> I don't know what the, you were saying, so you should oh, put that oh, in the I'll put it in the, the show notes. Because yeah. like I couldn't write that down based on what you just said. So it's a. Like it, it will do your math homework for you. Math yeah, okay. search engine. Yeah, okay. That's a good way of Love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was born a generation too early. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I needed. Yeah. yeah. There, there are apps where you can yeah. just take a picture of any problem in your math wow. textbook, and then it okay. does the work for you. Oh, yeah. Not just the answer, but it shows it the shows work. Shows the steps. So, like, yeah. what is the point then? Um, and I've been reading this book, and I highly recommend. We'll put it in our show notes. Yeah. yeah. Building thinking classrooms in mathematics. Uh, by Peter Lalajal. I hope I say that right. Yeah. Um, but I heard him speak this fall, and it's been really pushing my thinking. And he did research on, like, who's doing homework? You mm-hmm. know, what what's the best homework? Is the child doing it? Are they copying off a friend? Is mom and dad basically yeah. doing it? Yeah. And and what I mean by mom and dad basically doing it is like maybe Abby's kid is turning in the homework, but if Abby walked her child through every single step mm-hmm. of it, did the kid really do it mm. and will it stick? Mm-hmm. And he said, you get the most kids to do it if it's not worth anything. Yeah. Like it's Interesting. A, he calls it not homework, but an yeah. opportunity to practice. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That's kind of making me think hard, like, should I be doing that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and and the the reframe that that does for, for students then, right? Like, I, I like this idea a lot because mm-hmm. that's my beef with crappy math homework, too. And yeah. I assigned an awful lot of crappy yeah. math homework, yep. so I'll, yep. I'll point the finger at myself first and foremost. But this allows you to kind of right-size it for students. Then. Yeah. What, what do you need? What's the opportunity you need yeah. To, yeah. to deepen your learning with yeah. this? Yeah, so you're ready for the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. very different. I think that's a cross-cutting concept across subjects and content areas, too. Because I found students really actually appreciate very low-stakes assessments and opportunities to practice, and they will do mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. If I say, okay, see how much you know mm-hmm. on this quiz, you know, it's not going to be yeah. a huge percentage of your grade. Yeah. It's just yeah. to see how much you know. They'll be mm-hmm. like, and I don't think they cheat on it because they want to see how much yeah. they know. Oh, I do have to say one more thing in math assessment, though. I think that um, standards or mastery-based grading is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can you yeah. talk a little bit what that yeah. in case that's new language for some uh, of our listeners, though? Yeah, so uh, I'm doing that right now with okay. my elementary ed students mm-hmm. there in uh, numbers and operations class right now. And I want to know that they are fluent in fraction uh, fraction arithmetic. So they took their assessment on Monday and weren't happy with their grades. Mm-hmm. So today they, they had a chance again 
to, okay. to try and get it up there. Um, Redos, retakes. As, and, and they said, Dr. Z, how many do we get? I said, as many as you want. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. want everybody to be able to yeah. do this. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So you say, here's the clear standard you need to be able to achieve yep. this, and then you give them feedback. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. Or, no, you know, no. And I, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. And they, there is rejoicing in the land when they get yeah. that 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fun. Yeah. Val, is there, like, maybe just some final words of encouragement for our math educators out there? Like, we know it's, at least to me, it doesn't seem like a super easy subject to teach. It's complicated. There's a lot of emotions walking through the door with mm. the students and yeah. um, a lot of, yeah, things to balance there. Just, I don't know, just final thoughts on, on teaching math in general, I guess. Wow, I could talk a long time on yeah. that, but I guess um, I encourage math teachers to see the beauty that God has built into mm. that part of creation. Mm. And if you're not seeing the beauty, keep looking for it, keep exploring, mm-hmm. and um, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't understand it, ask the teacher next door. Google it. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. to be able to help a kid learn math, there's nothing like it especially a student that walks in and, and just hates it. Yeah. And to see them move that little bit from hate to, yeah. this isn't so bad, or it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not that they have to love it. No, no, yeah. no. When they do, that's even better. Yeah. 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 But, um, you know, to be able to yeah, move that dial and realize that it's something that's important in their life. Mm-hmm. Friends, we know that your time is valuable, and we want to thank you for joining us today for another holy conversation. Whether it is this day, this week, this month, or this year, We hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of, and we want to send you from here with a blessing to our listeners. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you have a good week. This podcast was literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is created and produced by Matt Beavers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Hey, we have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to rate this podcast or write a review in your podcast app? Or if you found this conversation interesting or helpful, would you consider sharing it on your social media? Those things really do help podcasters out, and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks for listening, friends. Yeah. That's great. Right on my desk. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, this is the, the magic of podcasting. Yeah. I always listen to the whole episode as I'm editing it. Let's not edit that part. Knocking over water bottle. Yeah. Um, Everything's great. Man, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Awesome I, I would talk math education with you every yeah. uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to start a math it. education yeah. podcast over there in mathematics yeah. department. Uh, man, that would be fun. It would be fun. As long as I don't get to do math. What? I mean, oh. When are you going to take my class? <gasps> I can hardly take. I can hardly teach the ones I'm teaching. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know how fun it would be to have you in class. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. You, 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 had a, you had a physical reaction there, didn't you? you oh yeah. What's the movie? Ch- you know Chucky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>